Hi, welcome to the Commission Podcast. My name's Adam, and I run the media and comms here at Commission. Welcome back to our podcast on church planting, where we interview pastors and planters on the front lines of ministry here in London and chat with people from like-minded ministries right here in the city. We hear stories of God's grace, God's goodness, and the story of people passionate about spreading the gospel and loving this city with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm joined here with Richard Perkins, who's been our host this past season. And we've got a bit of a bittersweet episode today. Uh, we're interviewing Sam, but that's not all that's going on this episode. Hi, Perks. Adam. Good to see you. Great to see you. Not for the last time, but... Um, no, definitely not for the last time. Not for the last time, personally, but um, but, it, but in this environment. You know, with this, yeah, yeah. With this setup. Uh, we'll let you get it right into it, because it's a bit of a long one. So, do enjoy. Welcome back to the Commission Podcast. I'm here with Sam Gibb. Welcome back, Sam. Thank you. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, doing well. Um, yeah, good to be back. Good to catch up with, with you. Uh, good summer. What's happened over the summer at Hope? Uh, so we've had a baby. So me and my wife have had little, little Isaac was born uh, about seven weeks ago. Um, so that's been a real joy. Um, it also meant that I kind of stepped away from, from stuff at, at church for a few, for a few weeks um, and had wonderful elders kind of picking stuff up. Um, ups and downs as a church, um, lots of joys, uh, but some tough, tough things that the members of the church family are, are going through. Um, uh, yeah, the highs and lows of ministry. Um, sometimes it feels you, um, when you, when you have those real highs, people come to faith, they're quickly followed by a kind of brutal low. So we've had a bit of that, um, but God's been good seeing people grow, uh, churches, churches growing. Um, yeah, lots to be encouraged by, lots to give thanks for. Um, but yeah, yeah, do more. Is there, um, you know, the churches I've been in previously, it's felt like August is low, September is ramping up, start start again. Is there that cyclical nature to, um, or that a, a recognisable pattern in estate ministry, or is it a bit more constant all the time? Because- yes, it's a bit more constant all the time, but we still we still get that. So some of our guys who have have joined the church, um, but are you know their families are still maybe f- further away, um, and they have a bit of time over the summer, they'll disappear off. So sometimes our kind of uh, a lot of our serving teams are, uh, you know, are, are quite small over the summer, but actually a lot of our families are still there. The kids are still coming. Um, we're still engaging. So a little, a little kind of let off, but certainly not, uh, we, st- we, we don't stop anything. So we don't stop midweek stuff. We, we keep going, ev- um, yeah, going through all of our ordinary ministries. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, li- a little bit of that, but not a, not a massive amount. Um, and then September, we don't get, we just don't get that flood of like, people looking for yeah. churches in London. We get a tiny bit of that, um, but we're not one of the churches on the radar of people moving in unless people are moving into the specific area and looking for a local church. So we get we pick up maybe this year, four or five people who have come and had a look at us, some who, who, who will probably stay, others who will go else, elsewhere. Um, and then just, yeah, just new people that we've met over the summer, uh, people on the estate who are, who are engaging. So one of the encouraging things for me has been yeah, a few people who we've known for a while um, who over the summer we were able to kind of see a bit more of and then have started coming along. So a couple of yeah, non-believers who uh, yeah, are, are, are coming along regularly at the moment. So yeah, lots of fabulous. That stuff's gold, isn't it? Um, now look, we've interviewed you previously on the podcast and, and if people haven't listened to that, I want to encourage you to go back into the archives, find it. It's a terrific interview. Um, we're, this is not a rerun of that. No. Um, this is really an opportunity for me to to pass the the baton over to you. Yeah. 
which is I'm thrilled to do actually because I think this podcast has got real value mm. for for a whole number of reasons, but particularly to profile the plants and the planters and what's going on and what God is doing across the across the, the city. So I'm thrilled that you're going to take this on. Um, I'm stepping away, going back into pastoral ministry, stepping away from a kind of a church planting uh, role with commission. Um, but it's it's over to you, which is yeah. brilliant. And, you know, you can take with this and, and run with it with Adam, um, which I'm thrilled about. But um, I, I understand. I've, I've turned up thinking that we're doing an interview and sort of doing <laughs> that handoff to discover that actually you're you want to turn the tables and yeah, yeah, ask yeah, questions when, of me. When I, chatted to, when I chatted to Adam about doing this um, and that kind of handover, I thought um, it would be a, a crazy thing for us not to um, have a chance to interview you and hear a little bit about your story. Um, I know a little of your story, but not, you know, not, not a massive amount. Most of our interaction has been you helping me and getting alongside me as we've, as we've kind of planted Hope Church. And so actually your story uh, for me will be quite exciting to hear. And I guess there's a lot of people here who have heard you interview others, but not heard much of, uh, of your story. So I thought, hey, why not um, have an opportunity to hear your story, ask you some questions. So there's not, I guess we haven't really got a kind of a, a pattern of what this is going to look like. We haven't got a kind of yeah. idea of exactly where we're going to go, but yeah, I'd love to hear yeah. something of your story. Well, look, I'm, I'm happy to be compliant. Yeah. So, so tell us, I guess, Perks, then um, where kind of um, ministry started for you, uh, kind of a little bit of kind of life growing up into yeah. kind of thinking, you know, the Lord was calling you into church ministry or what, or what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, converted um, a year out of school after a year in the Royal Navy, having discovered that I couldn't be good. Yeah. Uh, growing up in a, um, a, a sort of standard Church of England church in rural Northamptonshire, yeah. a nondescript area in between um, the Cotswolds and the Chilterns. Going to church every week while I was there, but hearing n- nothing from the Bible, hearing nothing much that was understandable about Jesus and yeah. thinking that Christianity was just a bit embarrassing because it was all about this half-naked man who was hanging on a cross in a church building. Yeah. So, so you went, but... but where parents went. Parents took you weren't, us. You weren't bothered. It, it meant nothing to you. No, it was an endurance exercise for me and my three sisters. Okay. Could we get yeah. through the service without falling asleep? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and did you fall asleep? Um, there may have been occasions where... <laughs> I rested my head yeah. during a, a Eucharistic prayer or whatever it was. Nice. I mean, the height of excitement for Fair was, was working out, you know, was it right A or right B in, <laughs> you know, in the alternative service book? I mean, honestly, painful. Yep. Anyway, when I got sent away to school, I was a bit of a handful as a kid, got sent away to school for a couple of years, uh, discovered Christians my own age, mm. became sympathetic to Christianity, didn't understand the gospel, thought Christianity was about being good, not bad. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. Didn't like hell. I'll try and be good then. Yep. A year with the Navy, I discovered quite, you know, it was pretty humiliating. I discovered that while lots career-wise was going well, in other areas of life, I was not, I would describe, I was not a good person. I failed in areas yeah. that I held as being significant. And that was a bit humiliating. And I got taken away on holiday by a mate from school who spent a year smuggling Bibles into Russia. Wow. Which I thought was nuts. You get you locked up. But um, the, the KGB would lock you up at that point. I thought, why would you do that? But... Um, but Jim explained the gospel to me. He sat down and he explained the cross in a way that I'd never understood it before. So I was on a beach in Bournemouth mm. and there was that ka-ching moment where I just, I understood for the first time why this half-naked man hanging on a cross was the object of worship within the Christian faith. It was a kind of, you took my sins, you were punished in my place. I'm not punished. I get your righteousness. Wow. I, what, yeah, how, is, how have I not heard this before? And so, so for you, there was... That that was a day that you think 
I understood something in a way that I'd never done before. Totally. And believed it. Yep. Repented of sins, turned to Christ. That was that, 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 was that moment. Though I guess yes. some of that... Yeah, yeah, the over, the, over the, sort of the repentance, forgiveness. I think I'd been wanting forgiveness because yeah. I knew I was morally, I was a failure. Yeah, and I, I there is no way that I sort of sorted out my Christian life on day one. I mean, yeah. the, you know, the, I got sent away. The Navy sent me off to university, and so you know that that was a a, a bit of a rocky beginning. But yeah. I found a local church yeah. um, after a couple of terms, and that was the game changer. Yeah. And that's um, really helpful because I think it's easy it's easy to assume that there's there's all these kind of tick boxes that every every conversion yeah. this is this is exactly what it looks like but yeah. in different situations and i, I guess in, in ministry we see this don't we different people you know they're, they're, there's a genuine change there seems mm. to be a genuine receiving of christ but but does everybody know always everything that's happened in that process and what what's yeah. been going on there and actually and, that's and where the local church is so important well, that, we, totally. that we can I mean, all of this happened in, in one sense without the local church yeah and it was only once I got in the lo- involved in a local church, regular pattern of Bible teaching, one or two people looking out for us. Um, it was kind of, oh, okay, let's begin to make some progress. And what, what age are you at, uh, at that stage? 20. Okay. Probably so you find, 19, a, you find a local, how did you find a local church? How did you choose a local church? Uh, wonderfully, an old friend from school got hold of a friend and said, what do you know? And some, and there was a recommendation. And I, you know, I, back in those days, it would have been a telephone call or a letter, I imagine saying, go, go to this person's for lunch Amazing. and they'll take you to school. Um, God. The, I mean, but the interesting thing, you, so you asked in origin about ministry. Yep. I grew up then in an Anglican church. The church I got involved in at university was an FIC church. Yep. But um, I grew up aware of this extraordinary opportunity um, of, a, of a church that had a building, had people in it where you could preach the gospel. Yep. And, they, and that did not happen. Yep. And so I... You know, once it's how did I get involved in ministry? From the moment of my conversion, I thought I can do a better job yeah. than what I've seen previously. Yeah. Because literally all you need to do to do a better job yeah. is tell people about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wonderfully, wonderfully, that church has an evangelical guy in there yeah, now who's doing that. a brilliant job. So my parents are hearing the gospel. Amazing. And the church is growing mm. and flourishing. And it's, you know, if you get an opportunity, go to St. Peter's Brackley. It's, yeah. you know, Amazing. it's fantastic. I'm thrilled. And and I guess does that make you more excited and more passionate when you hear of guys who are going to these sort of churches and taking on um, maybe churches that a lot of people would say, well, that's that's not a gospel church. There's no point engaging with that. Whereas actually, when when evangelical guys who love Jesus and want to see the the, mm. the lost reach for Christ go to these churches, even though that's hard work, sometimes it might feel easier just to start from scratch. Yeah, I think for me, the the decision to go into ministry. Or, or the, the significance of understanding those opportunities came about because I realized, I think I'm pretty typical. Mm. Um, I grew up without hearing the gospel in yeah. language that I could understand. Yeah. And I just thought, I think there are people like me all over the place. In other words, the Navy was full of people like me. Yeah. My rugby clubs were full sure. of people like me. Yeah. I, I mean, like and unlike, but you know, we've, we just, we didn't take Christianity seriously. Yeah. But the Christianity we didn't take seriously was a Christianity we didn't understand and a Christianity that wasn't remotely like the Christianity of the Bible. Yeah, sure. So in other words, what I realized was we need, I thought initially we need evangelists mm. um, and we need evangelists and, and, and now I think we need Bible teachers and evangelists. Yeah. In a, you know, the, a, an evangelistic Bible teacher would, is, is the perfect hybrid, which is the church planter. Yeah. And so, I, look, I went to theological college and I saw guys come out of theological college, go into revitalizations in the Church of England, 
and they they were bashing their heads against a brick wall for mm. 10 years and yeah. some and it broke some of them yeah and church planting was let's just not work within the system let's work around let's get something it's easy yeah. so the, it was easier isn't it the, the, the phraseology that i heard probably from australia is easier to to bring to life than it is to raise the dead yeah. to make new life and you just thought i think that's right temperamentally yeah. that worked quite well for me yeah. And so I thought church planting is the way to go, partly because I came to Dundonald in 1996, came to London, got involved here and sat in what was then called reform, which was the the, the reforming movement within the Church of England that was trying to see political change and, you know, structural change and et cetera. And I just thought I sat in meetings for years and saw the only things I saw that produced visible change was when people said, we're going to start a new congregation. Okay. Yeah. And I just thought temperamentally that worked quite well for me. Yeah. There were brilliant guys doing brilliant work, but effective change came. There was a disproportionate change when someone said, we're starting this new congregation. Yeah. Um, yeah. That got people's attention it, yeah. it, and it was tangible for me. You know, look, I was a young man. I was, um, I wanted to see stuff happen and I didn't understand the value of the behind the scenes committee work, synodical yeah. work, and so on and so forth. But it's horses for courses. I, I, yeah. you know, I need to appreciate that, and I do. But at the same time, I want to see stuff change because we don't know when Jesus is returning. We, people are dying every day. Mm. Let's, let's do what we can with what we've got in front of us. And church planting for me seemed to be a great way to reach the city with the gospel in a way that waiting for the Church of England to say, yes, come in, do this revitalization. Yeah. I just thought is it's a great opportunity. We must do that. Let's seize those opportunities. But that can't that can't be it. We can't wait no. for that. We've got to no. crack on and do it. Our strategy stuff. can't yeah. be, let's wait to see what the Church of England yeah. allows us to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's too, the gospel's too important for that. And and so so you you come to Dundonald in 91? 96. 96, sorry. So 96. Um what what brought you? So to I had left the Navy. I'd gone into teaching. I was thinking I was going to become a school chaplain okay. because I thought that's a brilliant opportunity to reach the kind of boys like me. I'd been sent away to this school. I thought this is a brilliant opportunity. Yeah. I can play sport. They'll respect me because I, I, you know, I, you know, I can, <laughs> I can kick a ball yeah. um, and I'll preach in chapel and people become Christians and I'll do confirmation classes. Yeah. And the chaplain at the time, a guy called Phil Parker said, look, I've taken you as far as I can take you. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to get further training, yeah. go off to Cornhill. Yeah. So I came down to London to do Cornhill, did it in a year. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do it in a year. I sat in lectures for a year and my brain was full very early on. Sure, yeah. But I had a placement and the placement, I wanted to carry on playing. I was playing rugby at quite a high level. And they, I said, look, I need someone who understands that. And yeah. someone said, well, I know just the guy for you. So Phil said, I know just the guy for you. Put me in touch with Richard Cokin down here. Yeah. Um, came for an interview. He realised at that point how little I knew. His, one of his questions was, what's the difference between propitiation and expiation? Oh, and, nice. I, and and I, yeah, and I was thinking, I have no idea what those words mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I did, think did, it, you, did you try and <laughs> did you try and blag it or did no. you? Were you oh, I mean, I just genuinely so didn't just know said, what those I'm words really meant. Sorry, Richard. I did, yeah, no idea. No idea. And and, and he I, said, "Thanks so much. See you later." <laughs> <laughs> I think um, he. I think he realised I was willing to learn. Okay. And I, that's why I was coming to Cornhill. I wanted to learn. I knew what I didn't know, or rather, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew I didn't know a whole load of stuff. And that is a constant learning pattern for. Any Christian, but but I think also oh. for us as 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 leaders, as as pastors, as planters, is to go. I 
I just don't, I just don't know. I just don't know, but I, but I want to okay. learn and Never I want to grow. Learning. Never stop learning. And yeah. 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 And, I mean, I think it's probably the same for me as it was for you. So same for you as it was for me. I came out of theological college and I remember distinctly walking out and just looking around the library one day thinking, this room is full of books that I have not read and I yeah. don't know what's inside. Yeah. So I came away from theological college realizing how much I didn't know. And yeah. that's not a bad thing No, that's thing great. To that's have. really good. And I'm not sure how, how normal that, uh, that is. I, I, I wonder whether sometimes that there's, that there's an, an arrogance when we, when we leave to sort of think, right, I've done, I've done mm. the thing that I needed to do. Mm. I've, I've ticked that box of, of learning and now I'm ready to go. But there's a real humility, which I, which I uh, yeah, I, th- I think you've, yeah, from my experience of you, you've carried with you. Um, in the way that you've you, you've kind of you know taught those of us who have kind of come through you, through your church planting training, that there is this this humility of, yeah, we don't know it all. I've got you, a lot you know to be lots, humble but, about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike me, who there's only a few no, no, things that I'm I need not, to be I, humble you about. Know, look, I'm, I don't. I'm not stupid, <laughs> no, no. but I'm not. I'm not the sharpest tool in the box. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots. Sure. There's. I just know there's lots that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you come to Dundonalds. How quickly after? Being at Dundonald, did you think this is this is it for me? I'm this ministry is for me, planting is for me. Yeah. And what you know, I I know maybe because because Balam was the was was the thing from that, was it? Well, so um, what was I? I came here as an Anglican ordinand, got sent off. So I did a year here. Richard then said, "Look, let's do this thing called the the ministry training scheme or yeah. the apprenticeship scheme." And sure. myself, Andrew Nichols, uh, Paul Dawson, and I were the first ministry trainees here. Three very different characters yeah. um, with different skill sets. We, but we loved each other and enjoyed the complementary nature of that yeah. and training under Richard. How big was Dundonald at this at this point? Um, probably only about forty adults. Okay, and um, how the school old hall. was Dundonald? It was a couple of years old. Okay, they'd had Richard for eighteen months or so. Sure. So um, really, as a full-time leader. You're looking at a very different Dundonald to anyone who's listening who knows anything oh, about totally. Dundonald. You're yeah, looking yeah. at a very, because now much, much larger, much more established. We're in a brand new building that Dundonald have yes. been able to and have. Richard's yeah. done a curacy, has got no senior minister experience, okay. but he's got energy, he's got so ideas. everything's fresh, everything's exciting. Yes. Um, and it really was. And we, yeah. were, we were clueless about the pressures of leadership. Sure. So in other words, I was on the receiving end of a lively church family that was keen on evangelism, did Bible teaching, we did the kind of, we, it, it was local life. We were trying to reach people locally. It was all that, it was excitement. We didn't know the pressures of, we've got to make budget. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's sort of, there's a, people are unhappy within the church. They want to leave or whatever, you know, sure. all that kind of stuff. The, yeah. the, the politics, it was just, no, it was it's exciting. exciting. People love Jesus. People are growing. People yeah. are being fed. People are. And we were yeah. contributing in some way. So we, you know, we did, um, you know, we had evangelistic courses that ran in the evening in the YMCA in, yeah. in, and we saw people becoming Christians, you know, yeah. I'd invite people from the rugby club and they'd come yeah. to stuff yeah. and there was a kind of, let's get involved. Yeah. Um, and, and meeting at the school, at the school on Dun, Dun, Donald's yeah, Ro- in the morning. Road, is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So Donald's yeah. school and yeah. also meeting um, where Charlie is now, St. Andrews in okay. the evening. Yeah. The evening congregation was tiny when we started. I think yeah. there were so about that's, six that's of Andrew us. Andrew Wimbledon, Charlie, Charlie Lamont. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I remember meeting in the side chapel. We used to turn the Blessed Virgin Mary around so that we wouldn't be distracted by her. Yeah. <laughs> but then just we had to remember to put it back unless we upset the vicar yeah. on the Monday. And amazing. And amazing again. Another church where there's evangelical Bible teaching ministry there that wouldn't have always been the case yeah. historically. What a wonderful blessing. Um. Okay. So at, at what point then do you go and plant? So two years. So two years as a ministry trainee, sent off to theological college for three years. Yeah. Um. 
great privilege to be at Oak Hill, residential. Uh, we, Rosslyn and I had six months out in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. When, when did you guys meet and get married? A year or two um, into the Navy is when we met okay. on camp together. Sure. Um, and when I came to Dundonald, um, we started dating seriously, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, prior, just prior to that. So you got, and then so you got marriage, married. Marriage while I was an apprentice here. Right. I mean, she, yeah. she paid for my ministry training. Yeah. Both as an apprentice and at Theological College. Yeah. So um, I'm hugely indebted to her. She's been holding you up ever since. Honestly, surviving <laughs> on her genius. Yeah. Um, so off to Theological College. Yeah. Um, we went to Sydney. The, part of the rationale for going to for Sydney was w- wanting to see church planting in a different context, yeah. see what support systems they had in place, what, so what, how that happened. what did you learn? What were, the, what were the kind of key takeaways from time in Sydney? I think, if I'm honest, I went into Theological College thinking you could be one of two types of people. You could either be the evangelist who saw people won for Christ and you used church ministry as an opportunity really to preach the gospel and see people become Christians. Yeah. Or... You were the kind of guy who, honestly, your idea of a fun night was locking yourself up with the collective works of John Owen, Yeah. Uh, but you'd never go within a country mile of a non-Christian. Okay. Now, that wasn't the case, yeah. but it was easy to caricature people at Theological College and prior to that into one of those two categories. And even at Cornhill, we were a bit like that. Yeah. I went to Australia and I, and I had theologically deep, missionally driven men okay. and women around and me. And that was the first time you feel like you, you'd seen that in a... A little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I just, it was a- di- Or, or, or it had been, your eyes had been open to it. It might yeah. have been there in the past, but and, you, and you saw it in a new way. Yeah. yeah. And people's evangelistic concern informed their desire to get deep theology and their yeah. theology drove them to mission. And I yeah. just thought, yeah, I've got some work to do. So yeah. I did there and also in third year. And I just thought, I want to be a theologically rich, informed evangelist who yeah. tries to reach people with the gospel. Yeah. Um, so that was a real challenge. I think there's a can-do attitude out there. There's a culture. It's just, it's, you know, I love Australia. I felt like I'd come home. It was open, honest, robust. Yeah. The sun shone. Um, and they play cricket and I couldn't, I can't stand cricket, but. Yeah, I, I know you can't stand it. I mean, look, I, I enjoy cricket, but I prefer rugby. Okay. Um, and they play rugby, I guess. Played rugby yeah. and played footy. And it, yeah. it, and it helped that, you know, obviously they got two left feet. So I was yeah. one of the best football players there. So no, that's not true. They were very good at cricket and they yeah. played cricket every break time. Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, we had a great time there, learned lots, made some good mates. Um, so then come back. Yeah. And Richard says, um, he, actually he came out to Australia. Um, he was out and said, look, we're thinking of church planting. Do you want to lead a church planting to Balham? Yeah. We went back that night, looked on the internet to find out where on earth Balham was, what was there, <laughs> what it was like. Yeah. And at that point, I was, I was, I, I hadn't got a curacy sorted out. Okay. This would be my curacy. I'd be doing it sort of not quite leaving the Church of England, but all mm. of that, I'd, I'd, it'd be a step aside. Temperamentally, I was fine with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, came out um, from Theological College in order to, to lead the church plant into Balham, which happened um, about 21 years ago. Yeah. Um, with a brilliant team, a senior elder called Gordon Reed, uh, who was a great help, great friend, yeah. real sort of wise sort of counterpunch to my young zeal. Yeah. Um, with a terrific little team around us of about 20 to begin with, planted mm-hmm. with about 25, yeah. um, and did that for 15 years. In your, in your ministry over the, um, over the last however many years, uh, what, what would you say some of the real high points have been? And I'm also, I'm also later, I'll ask you some of the low points, but 
Um, but I'd love to know some of the, just some of the, those real kind of joys. It's reductionistic, isn't it, to say ministry is people? Yeah. But it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I, the, it's the heart yeah, of it, ministries. In, in other words, I used to be really nervous. And I've, sa- I've said this to other people before. I'm really nervous when I say, I'm going to ask people, you know, why do you want to go into ministry? I love teaching the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let me stop you yeah. just there. Yeah. Off you go. Come back in a couple of years' time. Once you once you realise the people. right answer is, yeah. I love teaching the Bible to yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I the highs are, um, honestly, people getting converted, yeah. people becoming Christians, yeah. and so uh, that is just thrilling. So I can think of I think a handful of people who came to faith as a result of what of what we did, probably in Balham yeah. and God's kindness, and you just think, yeah, they're. Yeah. Their eternity has been changed yeah. by what we yeah. did. And, you know, we'll come to this in a while. And there was a church plant that we were involved in just fairly recently that mm. we had to close. Um, as far as I'm aware, only one person was converted as, as a result of what we did. People's lives were changed, but one person was, a person was converted. Honestly, she made it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. without which, a question. Yeah, which is so, I mean, and we're not... We're not just trying to see, when we say things like that, when you say things like that, it's not trying to see one good thing in a load of bad stuff. It is genuinely yeah. how, how we feel, yeah. how you feel yeah. about what you're doing is that that is worth the totally. stress, the tears, the pain, the challenge, the energy, the effort, the, 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 the months and months of planning, the, you know, however many, you know, however many months of, of running stuff and, yeah. and the, everything that you went through as a church. Yeah. To know that that is a soul yeah. change, to know that as a person who knows the joy of Christ makes everything worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It is the, humanly speaking, but not just humanly speaking, we, we do it for God's glory. Yeah. We do it for Christ. Yeah. But it's the kind of presenting tangible yeah. fruit of ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Here is someone's life changed yeah. and her son's life yeah. is changed. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah, that, that, that's the, it's the fuel on the fire. Yeah. So that's what you're doing it for. You you are doing it for the glory of Christ. Mm. You are doing it for the reputation mm. um, of of His name. You you are, but tangibly, mm. that you see that as He changes people, as He brings people to saving faith, and so yeah. you kind of you're living for that. But also, I think alongside people being converted, people going into ministry. Okay. Yeah. So sure. A handful of people sent off to theological college. A handful of people. So these are guys that that, that came through Balham. Or, or wherever. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, by you guys, sort of I mean both, both men, men and, and women, women. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In, in ministry positions yeah. um, as children's workers or women's workers or yeah. going off to theological college and training, coming out and running congregations yeah. and yeah. going overseas, um, yeah. you know, South Africa and Australia, for example. Yeah. You just think that's, yeah, those, those are the highs. It's the people who, who capture the vision, who partner with, it's just a joy to work alongside yeah. um, and do... And work together to bring people to maturity in Christ. I mean, I'm preaching Colossians at the moment and, and Paul's saying, I mean, I love the word he uses. He uses the word agonizomai, which is, you know, it's just such a, it's just such a word. What is it mm. like to do genuine ministry? Honestly, it's agonizing. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of, it's gut-wrenchingly, yeah, yeah. laboringly intense yeah. in order to present people perfect, mature yeah. in Christ. And you just think, yeah, yeah that, that, that's the work. And it's great to be back yeah. doing it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and and we never, yeah, we never want to lose want to lose that that deep sense of the the heart that Christ has for His people. Mm. When we when we feel even just a small amount of that, mm. and then get the joy of seeing 
someone come to faith. Yeah. I guess the the flip side of that is the is the is the other side, which is the agonizing of the the, the gut wrenching heart going out to those who are walking away or when things are not are not going well. Yeah. Tell us a, a little bit about maybe some of those um, sadnesses, some of those uh, uh, trials, challenges, yeah. and struggles that, that you've had. I think ministry is hardest when you don't see fruit, mm. isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. it, you're, you're putting the hard yards and you're thinking, I think I'm doing this right and I'm not seeing anything. And, you know, look, you look at your own heart and you think, yeah, look, I, I am sinful yeah. and I'm not being as godly as I should. I'm not praying as much as I should. But, you know, notwithstanding that, I don't think there's a massive material change to how I used to do it previously. And so it's kind of understanding that, isn't it? You know, given who I am and what I'm doing, you know, I liked it when people become Christians and going into ministry. Um, When that doesn't happen, that's frustrating. It's harder to make sense of what's going on, I guess. Um, And and people are the joy and people are the frustration. You get frustrated (laughs) with yourself. Yeah. I mean, and I think some of the low times have been where I've been aware of my own limitations and my own wickedness yeah um and that's th- those are not comfortable times they're valuable yeah. times but they're not comfortable times yeah. i think i got pretty close to burnout before a sabbatical and i think probably my sabbatical saved me from sounds a bit melodramatic doesn't it saved me from pr- possibly falling into really unhealthy patterns of sin okay i think yeah. so having having that break that allowed me to step back from ministry and just go look at my christian life and realize yeah. Oh, hang on a second. You've got a ministry life. Yeah. I'm not sure you've got a Christian life that's yeah. really worth it. It's certainly not what Paul had in mind when he penned those requirements for eldership. Sure. So I think that was, that was a healthy mm. opportunity to sort of step back and just put that back together again. Do you think that came too late? Do you think yeah. you should? Okay. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. how long into, totally. into ministry did, did, did sabbatical come for you? Uh, it was 2013. I've been in since 2002. So came out of theological. So it was 11 okay. years. Yeah. But that was 11 years of church planting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know what it's like with church planting. Yeah. You are, you haven't got enough. Yeah. You know, that's the whole point of church planting. It's yeah. not there. It's not, yeah. it, someone doesn't give you the Lego set and say, please build it. Someone yeah, yeah. says, shows you the model yeah. and says you've got no Lego. You've yeah. got to find the Lego. Yeah. You know, it's everything startup and yeah. it's, yeah. it's. You've not, you've not got teams to lean on or people. You, yeah. You've got good people around you, you know, and. Totally. But, but there's, a, yeah, there's, there's a. There isn't a blueprint. You're inexperienced yeah. as well. I mean, it's been really interesting going back into pastoral ministry this time around and look, you know, I'm two months in. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, ask me in a couple of years. Yeah. It's thrilling not feeling how I felt at Balham, which was I felt like a kind of ministry, a sort of spiritual entrepreneur in some sort of, you know, startup. Sure, yeah. Everything depended on me. Yeah. And that's sometimes a lie that we tell ourselves. Uh, like there's, there's truth yeah. there, yes. but there's also the, yeah. we almost feel like we've got to just keep producing yeah. stuff. And if we show weakness or failure, then everything, that's yeah. something that I've learned consistently has been, actually, um, if I, if I don't do this, Sometimes that's that's okay. Yeah. Um. But my thought is, if I don't do this, no one will do it. Therefore, I've got to do it. And I think sometimes that's a lie. But yeah. but there's there, there's that balance, isn't there? There is. Yeah. It's extraordinary know, going yeah. back. I mean, I've looked at. I made the mistake of looking at sermons that were preached back in two thousand and two. <laughs> uh, it is remarkable that God grew a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, honestly, no. I mean, we need to hear that. And since <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. said that to you lot, yeah. and uh, you, yeah. know, you look back and think. What did God use? And yeah. it's like I look back on oh. last week sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man alive! Yeah. I mean, just oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Philip Jensen who says, isn't it? If you come out of theological college and your preaching isn't boring, it means you didn't learn anything. 
Oh. There's something in that. <laughs> There's something in that. But I took that to the nth degree. I mean, my sermons in 1 Corinthians. You were like, this is an excuse to, this, to be honestly, so it's dumb. Like a, yeah. like, honestly, it's like reading. A, yeah. I mean, they're brilliant notes if you wanted to take them and do something with them. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, it's not a sermon. It's like a commentary. It's just <laughs> it's turgid. But God was kind. Yeah. But it's lovely being that bit older, thinking, um, I've learned some things. Mm. I've learned God is good. He works through me. I genuinely do believe that, uh, you know, planting, watering, he, he, he who does either of those is nothing. God is the one who gives the growth. He'll work through us. Um, and in one sense, it's slightly liberating going in this time round, saying, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll do what I can um, with what I've got. Mm. Um, we'll pray and we'll see what the Lord does. Yeah. But we're in the Lord's hands. Yeah. Um, whereas I think... First time round, it, it, I took too much to myself. I was exhausting. I drove myself too hard. I probably drove others too hard. Yeah. And I can think of, you know, there are one or two people who, who actually would say, yes, you did drive us too hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think they're probably, I think they're true. I think yeah. that's right. And yeah. I regret that. Um, but, you, you know, it, it, I think it came, it came from a place of not only insecurity, but this matters. Yeah. Church isn't a game. I mean, one of the guys who served us most in the early days of our church plant, if I can put it in these terms, um, James Mars served us by dying okay. unexpectedly, yeah. um, developed cancer, mm. and, and died pretty rapidly. How, how early into? We, to our first couple of years. Yeah. Well, James was a great servant, just completely got involved behind the scenes, did stuff, just fantastic. Mm got cancer and died. And it was like, Phew. none yeah. of us saw that one coming. You yeah. know, he's a young man in his mid twenties. Okay. Um, yeah, probably late twenties. And I think we realized church is not a game. Yeah. We're not, you know, this is not, yeah. Hey, let's, let's have, a, you know, let's have a successful church thing where yeah. we've got lots of people. It's no, we're, par- we're preparing people mm. to die. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. paying people for their eternities. Their, yeah. So that their lives matter. Yeah, um, and we can't play games with that as though it's not going to happen, or as though we can guess when it's going to yeah. happen, or, or although we're, or or as though we're preparing people for death. You know, in their eighties or nineties, actually, we're, we're we're preparing people for yeah. where, whenever the Lord's yeah. will take them, and and then we're preparing a church to yeah. experience death in a in a real sense and the brokenness yeah. of the world in a in a real sense. And I think yeah. that just that impressed upon us and me, perhaps particularly. Yeah. This this does matter. Yeah. Um, and that and I may have that may have I may have taken that too far. Um, perhaps. What? Why did you say that? And it produced a relentless drive. Okay. To to make to make things happen. Yeah. To, you know, yeah. to see time is limited. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to crack on. So I've got to, yeah. I've got to do this, do this, yeah, do this yeah. rather, rather than, yeah. Yeah. So an overplay on the instrumentality of us as individuals, sure. rather than sleeping like a Calvinist who says God is sovereign. Yeah. He's got this. Yeah. Would you do things differently? Oh, I mean. T- Sorry. I'm <laughs> really unfair question. No, 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 no. <laughs> of co- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The answer is yes. Of course. Always, the, answer is, yeah. the answer is yes. Did I get it? Did I get it perfectly right first time around? No, of course I didn't. But I think I've wanted to, I've, I've said this partly with parenting with the kids. I've always said to them, I'm sure we made mistakes, but at the time yeah. we, we did what we thought was right to do and the best thing to do. And yeah. I wanted to, so that I could justify the decision-making yeah. 
if you ever asked us subsequently. Yeah. And, you know, so in other words, we didn't go out of our way to make a mistake. Yeah. Um, but then that helps you to kind of live with the the temporal nature of where you're at. You, mm. Here we are, we do what we can, we do what we think's right at the moment, right, let's move on. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, 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 I'm sure, lots of mistakes. So lots of lessons from from Balam. I'd love, mm. if if you're willing to dig in a, a tiny bit into um, into then the, the, the kind of next church church plants. You planted Peckham, so Bridge, Peckham. Yeah. That was just before COVID, so it was 2018, the same time that, that we started Hope Church. Was it around the, around the same, yeah. same sort of time? Um, so 2018. Yeah. So I'd stepped away from being the senior pastor at Balham in 2017 to take on a position within commission as the director of church planting. So full-time role. Yeah. So in other words, it liberated me to do something a bit more adventurous yeah. uh, without needing to, um, needing to find an income. And you weren't the, the, the kind of sole pastor. It wasn't pl- pastor planter at, um, at Peckham. No. You're part of a, a, a team yeah. um, starting that out, gathering, gathering guys. So you're, you're, you're in a set, you've got two, two hats on that, that fit nicely together in a sense, but you've got your planter training hat and then you've got your kind of trying to start this thing up in Peckham, gathering a team, bringing yeah. other people together, looking for a pastor to, to do that. Yeah. That then kicks off. So when did you have your first your first service at, at, at Peckham? It would be January. Yeah. Um, 2019? 2018. 2018. Okay, so you were actually, a, you were almost a year earlier than, than yeah. we were we, at this, In the yeah. September of that yeah. year, we moved to a new venue in a school that felt like a, 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 re, a re, the, yeah. the proper restart. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. multiple launches, that felt like, yeah. that felt like, we're, we're in a better place yeah. now. Prior to that, it had felt like we need to plant out of necessity, partly because some of the people who are involved with us um, couldn't quite understand or get their heads around why we weren't a church. And they were absolutely right because we were God's people meeting in God's, a uh, meeting around God's word, yeah. encouraging one another. They're like, why do you keep calling these launch team meetings? It's church. Okay. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, it really is, isn't yeah. it? But I don't want it to be that because we haven't launched yet. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you just thought, let's just do church. We're, we're more yeah. or less meeting weekly anyway. Um, and so we sort of we sort of started meeting before we launched. Kind so of even in that situation, you're, you're, you're in a place where you're training church planters on all these sort of things. Yeah. You know, this, is, this is kind of what it looks like to plant a church. These are some of the things. That, but at the same time, you are just learning from doing it from the, the, the congregations and from, from the, the members of that launch team, yeah. actually, you know, th- th- there's, there's maybe some gray areas here that, that it's easy not to see as, uh, as gray. And you want to kind of have a, you know, this is when we, this is when we became a church, but yeah. actually it's much more org- organic than that. So there's a bit of, you want that organized element, which is, which is great. You want that organic element and you're just, you're just learning as, as, as you're yeah. going through. Yeah. I mean, you know, as well as I do, context is everything. Yeah. Context is everything. So, my predominant models of church planting have been a culture which was disproportionately white, middle class, yeah. business orientated. You know, that's so if that's your model, yeah, and you think that's how church planting happens, yeah. well, you you take that in. And yeah. I we I think I I was discovering context is everything. There are theological principles here. How do we enact those yeah. um in a different context with a sure. different group of people? to get where we want to be, which is a, a church that's living by the gospel, proclaiming the gospel yeah. and, um, and discipling people. Uh, and I think it was, I realized there's, there's more than one way to skin the church planting cat. And <laughs> yeah. so that was the, the, the way we did it with Balaam. Yeah. So we planted Balaam evening and then Balaam morning. So we did okay. two, two plants there. Yeah. 
we'd, we'd sent Streatham off. And uh, with Jay Mariner going down to Brixton, there'd be a, a slightly different model there. Yeah. So those have been a variety of models. And Peckham was, Peckham, the thing about Peckham was, we looked at Peckham, we thought, this is brilliant. It's got loads of churches, but there's black majority churches, there are white majority churches, or at least there are black majority culture churches, white majority culture churches. Yeah. So there's some that would be a bit more ethnically mixed, but they were still a predominant culture. Yeah. And we thought... Wouldn't it be brilliant if we could be deliberately diverse from day one, not just compositionally in terms of people who have African heritage, people who perhaps have yeah. you know Northern European heritage, but a culturally diverse church yeah. that sort of didn't went out of its way to try not to preference one particular culture, yeah. but to say, look, the gospel puts different people together in a way that causes a world to go, hang on a second, what are you, sorry, what what are you? Sure, we're the one new man in Christ. It's yeah. that Ephesians two thing. And so we wanted to 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 try to be deliberately diverse from day one, which meant that um, all the the leadership team composition initially was African heritage, um, with Adrian in particular, mm. um, sort of English heritage, myself and Nigel, you know. But we probably got that makeup wrong. But in one sense, church planning, you work with what you can get. And yep. Adrian, to his credit, coped with these sort of two somewhat opinionated white middle-class men in their middle ages, yeah. in their middle age. But I, I was trying to be... And he's, a, and he's a young guy. He's young. He's, he's what have you been, late 20s, early 30s? Yeah, late 20s, coming out of, um, coming out of theological college, out yeah. of London Seminary, so more inexperienced. Yeah. So we, we, were the, we were the team. He, yeah. was the, he was the planter. Yeah, yeah. But we want to protect him from the burden of being the senior minister and sure. everyone yeah. kind of coming to him, assuming that he had all the answers. And behind the scenes, Adrian and I would meet and we'd talk about what was happening, how it was happening, what did we think should sure. happen, okay. how we make that happen. Yeah. Um, and in trying to provide a sort of a degree of sort of mentoring as well as coaching sure, for him yeah. and his development, because we realised the long-term future of Bridge Church Peckham would rest on having a, particularly perhaps a young black pastor. Yeah. Okay. If you put Nigel and I there, You've got a you've got a bit of a lean into white majority culture. Yeah, you've you've got to address that. Yeah, um, and then when we you know Rufus came on as as an additional elder, sure, Nigerian heritage. Yeah, that that was a good mix as well. Um, so look, we I mean by by the time we went into lockdown, we thought to ourselves, um, this is hard work. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, I think it's working, but yeah. we're vulnerable. Yeah, we're making mistakes but people are forgiving yep. and we did make mistakes and people were forgiving. Mm. And we went into lockdown with about 30 adults, 20 kids. We just had our first sort of um, evangelistic course thing. Someone yep. had just been converted. Um, we'd launched home groups yep. um, and we thought, this is great. This is, yep. you know, this is, this is, we're going somewhere. This is hard work, but it looks like it's working. Um, and then, Lockdown hit. Yeah. We go online. Um, we had to deal with differences of opinion on when we should meet, how we should meet, yeah. whether vaccines were a good idea. Yeah. Uh, that's, this is probably familiar territory yeah, yeah, we, for we you. We dealt with this stuff, yeah. The yeah. George Floyd um, yeah. murder took place. Yeah. Um, we had to respond to that or not yeah. respond or and and there were misunderstandings. Yeah. We're all doing this online. Yeah. Um, we're in Zoom, Zoom church. Um, yeah. And yeah, then brutal. Adrian, for understandable reasons, decided that he wanted to relocate 
yeah. um, and has gone to, to do missionary church planting in the Netherlands. Yeah. And you think, well, we, you know, I mean, very wonderfully, he asked whether we, he could go. It's like, man, yeah. you can't stand in the way Bro, of that. No, you can't take the gospel. So he's working, particularly wants to work with Ghanaians who've relocated to, to the Netherlands. He's, yeah. that's, his, that's also yeah. his heritage. So yeah, he's yeah. Got, okay, what do we do here? Well, yeah. Let, let's get through. Yeah. Let's get through. And see, the lockdown kept going, didn't it? You know, the pandemic persisted. Yeah. We found that the pandemic accelerated people's decisions making. Yeah. So understandably, a group of people said to themselves, hang on a second. I'm in a one bed flat here. Yeah. The pair of us are working. Yeah. Um, we've got an internet connection. I'm still doing my work and it's all online. Yeah. I could go and live outside the M25. We can afford a house so, with two so bedrooms and a yeah, garden. Yeah. And I don't need to worry about the commuting costs because we're all working online anyway. Yeah. So people start understandably to make decisions And to so leave. they start saying to you, we're, thanks so much. Yeah. We've loved this. It's been exciting to be part of this, but we're, we're actually going to go. Yeah. And that just starts, that starts happening one after another after well, another. Well, if you're 30 and yeah. you lose your lead pastor and then yeah. another family goes yeah. it's it, and it starts to look you you you're a little yeah. bit smaller so so at what point do you then go i don't think this is viable anymore how how was that like what like how do you make like if there yeah. are, if there are guys engaging with this who who uh, have been through that or, or or may go through that in the in the future how do you make that decision to say this is this is not viable anymore yeah. do you think there's a black and white to that do you think it's a like, and how did you make that decision? And, yeah. what, and, what, and what was that like to I make that decision? I think most church planters are double-brained, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in others, I know James says to have two minds is a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there is something in the church planter that will never give up. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you need that. Yeah, yeah. But you also need that another brain that says, yeah. I'm not sure Yeah. this is. And that's the wrestle for some when yeah. you don't see yeah. fruit and growth. Yeah. And I think you need other people. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, certainly, even when there's not that other brain, there's definitely th that other person who's willing to say, yeah. actually, mate, this is. Uh, yeah, this I've is had not, conversations this is gonna with kill some us. of our church planters in commission, and I've, and I've, want, I've looked them in the eye and I've, and I've said, yeah, I, wa I want to see, do you want to stop? Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, yeah, you, you, you see it in their yeah. eyes, yeah. and they're like, no. Yeah. No. And it's like, okay, do you we're think, good for a while then. Do you, do you think there's a, do you think there's sometimes a, um, there's that, there's that, there's that we're going to do it attitude, which is a good in a church planter. Yeah. Do you think there's sometimes that, that pride in a planter that says, if I, if I pull the plug on this, I've failed and I cannot fail because if I failed, that, 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 that reflects on, on me. That's a, you know, there's a. I don't know what I don't know whatever whatever else yeah. that that brings with it, but like I I, I can't fail. So yeah. there's a there's a a selfishness maybe. I mean, maybe that's a bit harsh, but there's a there's a pride that sort of says I've got to keep this going. Did you did you feel that? Do, so do I think that's there? Sure, amongst yeah. some church planters, yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you think it was there with you? I I don't think so. I remember Jay asking me. Would I find it? So Jay, Jay, Jay Mariner, Mariner who's said, a, who's a block. Yeah. "Are you worried that it'll um, damage your reputation as the director of church planting because you've been part of a church plant that's failed?" Yeah, and I, I honestly, it hadn't crossed my mind. Yeah, and I, I said to him, I remember saying, I think it was Andrew Nichols years ago, saying, "If we don't have church plants that fail, mm. 
we're not being adventurous enough. Mm-hmm. And actually being able to say to, and I think one of the great blessings of having of looking after church planters has been. I think if you got me in a room back in 2002 with other church planters, I would have been competitive, just that that was my immaturity yeah. and, and character, an immature character. But, but I never neglected that. I never mm. detected that from 2014 when we started having the Antioch plan first off and 2017 when people like you and others came on board. I never detected an insecure competitiveness that meant that people were comparing their church plants with one another. Yeah, yeah there I, was think, a, I think that's fair. We're yeah. all in this together. Yeah. We're doing the yeah. same work in different places, yeah. different contexts. There are upsides, downsides, yeah. and there was a sort of camaraderie of we're all in the trenches together. Yeah. And I think I, I learned loads from the planters and sure. seeing that and just thought it's, it's okay to fail. We're in the Lord's hands, yeah. you know, we're doing what we can with what we've got for his glory. We depend upon yeah. him. We're praying. We're seeking wisdom. And I think for, I, I, I did two things when, when Adrian decided that he wanted to go overseas and, and Nigel pulled back. I thought we have to pastor people all the way through the pandemic because they're yeah, a church yeah. family. We cannot yeah. ask people. So, so the church can close, yes. but we can't just let go of people. That's, oh, totally, so, that's, so, totally. that's so key. So I mean, I, The viability of the church and yeah, the, yeah. And the past, pastoral care of the people have got to be separated to, to some, ex, some, some totally. extent. Totally. And what has been a real joy is seeing, seeing yeah. the people from Bridge Church Peckham yeah, yeah. go to brilliant churches. Yeah. And so a number of them have landed at New Life Catford. I couldn't be happier. That's brilliant for them. And so for some of them, that wouldn't have necessarily been the case before they came to, came to you, would you say? Like, that, like they, they may have come. I mean, maybe that's an unfair no, question to I, ask. No, I think, I mean, the, the two things I think that characterise, we were an eclectic gathering. Yep. So we were gathered from the four winds. Yeah. Um, th- there were no two families that came from the same church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, so you're we, not cutting a bunch of people out of one church and saying this no, is we, we lack two things it's, we lacked yeah. historic relationships and yeah. we lacked a, a common ministry philosophy yeah and we went into this thing yeah. and lots of people perhaps have come from churches they've they ended up going to churches that i think were probably healthier in terms of gospel ministry than yeah. they'd come from yeah That's because cool. for the duration of the time that we had bridge church peckham they began to see what as Adrian and Nigel and I try to work out what does healthy yeah. church ministry sure, look like yeah. in this context? Yeah. Well, let's, let's try to do that. Yeah. Uh, people suddenly realised, oh, hang on a sec. Oh, so that's, that's what healthy church should look like. Yeah. Yes, it should. And therefore they made great decisions about where they landed. Yeah. Um, so in God's kindness, in God's economy, I don't think our time was wasted. Yeah. One of the best things I've ever done. Do I regret it? No. Do I wish it was still going? Yes. Does it break my heart? that it doesn't still exist. And that's my church family. Yes, it does. Roston and I often talk about that. We can't understand why God didn't um, allow it to work and to flourish. Yeah. Um, But he's king. Yeah. He's king. And it wasn't wasted. I don't regret it. It was brilliant. Yeah. So, Perks, thanks so much for for sharing that and and your... Yeah, your wisdom and experience from all that is a a real blessing to me and and to many of us, I'm sure. Um, Before we kind of close this off, I'd love to... Uh, for you to kind of reflect for us on uh, your role in training people in church planting, because that's now coming to an to an end or has come to an end. Yeah. Uh, what are, I mean, I, I've massively benefited from you, from you personally, um, from your from your training, from your um, yeah, your wisdom, your knowledge, your love, your um, yeah, your insights. Tell us maybe some of the some of the, the highlights from that, some of the things that you've enjoyed about that, uh, lessons that you've learned. Just reflect on that for a bit yeah. as, as you're leaving. How how do you reflect on your time? 
Yeah, thanks. I think, so I took up the role as the part-time director of church planning. It was called the Antioch Plan back, back in those days in 2014. And I'm not quite sure I knew what we needed. Um, but I, I chatted to people like um, Simon Martin, Mark Fossey, reflected on my own experience. And they were guys who had planted they from... planted in, within commission. Commission yeah. started to exist in 2005. And we'd kind of taken bright, able guys who yeah. could do a job and sent them off. And we sent them off with some people and a bit of money and yeah. that was about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure Richard checked in on them and, and that kind of stuff. But it was, it was pretty ad hoc. Yeah. And, I, and I talked to them and we began to work out what do I think planters need? Mm -hmm. what, what have they not got? What, what could we need? What could we provide across the, the, the resources of the network? And began to sort of put that together. And I mean, in one sense, we just learned on the job mm -hmm. and I learned on the job. I was like that first year teacher who was sort of, I was perhaps a chapter ahead of everyone in the church planting book and, you know, <laughs> yeah. sounding incredibly knowledgeable. Yeah. Five minutes before you're standing up, you're reading the stuff, learning the stuff and then teaching the stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've been there. We've been there. Um, and just over time, I think it was just, you know, when you've got people like Jonathan Worsley in the room, when you've got people like Mike Reith in the room, you've got people like Sam Stevenson in the room, you've got people like Jay Mariner and others in the room, you just like kind of, it's, you know, questions are asked ideas come forward you start yeah. sort of you're, you're you become part of a band of brothers that are mm. asking the same kinds of questions which is what are we trying to do how are we trying to do it yeah. you know what what do we need to know and i had capacity to be able to go away and think right yeah. okay you know strategic planning yeah Ooh, that yeah i've never what what is that yeah. right i'll go away and read so this wasn't your bread this wasn't your bread and butter you didn't come in going i've got this stuff i thought massively about this stuff when i planted i learned all this stuff you're kind of going here are some of the things that, are, that here are some of the questions that are being asked as we meet. What what do we need to think about to answer some of those questions that these guys are asking? So it's yeah. so it is a really organic. So, so the the planting thing within commission has been very or, organic, both in the plants sent out, but then also in the training of those planters. Completely. And in and, and that's great. In 2017, I became full time, and the first thing we did was looked back at what we'd done over the last three years. Yeah. And we a hoofing great document that I worked <laughs> out with uh, Werner Baumker. And we looked at what have we done? How had it gone? Yeah. What were some of the things that we could pull out? Right. If we're going to plan going forward, what do we need to put in place? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. I absolutely wanted to give people the Bible, yeah. you know, just an instinct from, from earliest days of conversion. So in other words, we did the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, yeah. 2 Timothy, Titus. We taught the Bible. And, yeah. and once it's, I wanted to feed people as well as equip them for ministry. Yeah. And it seemed to me those are the books to do. And then we started asking questions like, you know, what is a church? Mm. What is eldership? What's a training pipeline? Evangelism? What are we trying to do? How are we trying to grow? And mm. it was, it became clearer as we went what we needed to think through. Mm. So we ended up with a kind of a curriculum really. Mm. Um, but we realized it was, it, the, the, the planters' needs were not going to be satisfied by simply putting them in a room and lecturing them. You know, so training is an aspect. It's mm. a perspective that the planter needs. He also needs other things. And one of the, one of the I think the game changers was realizing actually what we needed to provide people with was a, a coach, yeah. which was not an expert in church planting, but someone who was an intentional conversational partner yeah. to help someone work through yeah. whatever was on their plate, yeah. whether it was a, a personal issue, a ministry issue, a spiritual issue, a relational issue. But kind of, I want to talk about how do I launch a mums and toddlers? Yeah. Can I just talk, can I, can you just be my intentional conversational partner for the next hour? Yeah. Okay. Tell me what you want to do. And there, there's a sense of sort of gentle accountability with that, which I think was, was brilliant. So 
that was part of what we put in place. And I think that's, um, that's a real legacy. I think a lot yeah. of the planters would say, actually, that's as helpful, if not more helpful than mm. some of the stuff we get in yeah. training. I think, I think for me, one of the joys of what we were doing when I, when I was um, in this training was that there was enough kind of, um, uh, sort of skeleton, so to speak, that you, uh, that you kind of had the structure and you kind of had the things, but we could kind of almost put the, the, the meat on the bones ourselves. So that would, mm. you know, what one of the sessions might look like, uh, you know, for me might be different to what it looked like for someone else. And, and I, I, I'm not being told this is how to do it, no. but I'm be giving a bit of a framework to say, here's, here's some stuff that you need to be thinking about when you're making these decisions. And I think that's so key when you're planting churches in different denominations, in different cultures and contexts, which meant I didn't, I, I, I never sat there and thought, well, fair enough f- for you, but for me and Vauxhall, yeah. this makes no sense. Actually, it was much more, it, it wasn't vague, it was specific, but it was, um, it was, it was able to be um, appropriated for each individual context. And I think okay. that's, and I think that's gold. Yeah, and, good. And, and, and I hope that that's something that can continue yeah. with the planters so that guys from different contexts can come together, guys planting churches. If, if we're going to reach London for Christ, having churches in the different denominations in different contexts is so vital. Mm. And I think you, and, and I think you, you kind of straddle those worlds quite, you know, quite well. I think that's, that's a real benefit of you because you've, you've got a foot in all, and have had a foot in those, those camps historically. Um, but also that just the, yeah, the way that, that, it, that it was, that it was done was, was brilliant for that. So I really valued that. Just on that, that's, I'm glad you said that. I'm really pleased to hear you say that because I was really helped by Tim Keller's book, mm. um, Centre Church, which yeah. talks about that for us, there's real unity across commission yeah. in ministry philosophy. Yeah. F- for argument's sake, we all think um, sort of intentional evangelism matters. Yeah. So the volume on that is turned up to 10. Yeah. So what we're saying is we're not, we don't just theologically agree, but as a ministry philosophy, we think m- mm. mission, deliberate, intentional mission matters. Yeah. Right. Am I going to tell you that the only way to do it is door knocking? Sure, no. Yeah. Am I going to tell you the only way to do it is Christian Explored? No. Context is everything. Yeah. And, and therefore, there's real freedom about how we land yeah. contextually. But our unity is, I, I was full of, I, we had a room full of people who were absolutely persuaded that the gospel was the only way that people were going to be saved. And that's yeah. what we should be doing yeah. in church planting. That's, the, that's why we're planting fundamentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we can leave the detail of what that looks like to the people who know their context best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's important. And, and I think as well, church planters can be so um, busy in doing the stuff that actually almost forcing, I mean, I often found this, I almost found like it was forcing myself to go, I've, I've got to take these few hours to read this stuff or to come to this session. Yeah. And, and sometimes you're, you're sitting there, you know, with this, with this big pastoral thing that's going on or this sermon that needs to be writing and you're going, Oh, now I've got to read this, this thing, or now I've got to go to this thing. And you, you know, we, you know, and, and yet almost forcing yourself to do that. Um, it's not that we didn't enjoy the sessions, but, but, but forcing yourself to do something that you sometimes think, ah, but you know, I'm, I'm being pulled and rightly I'm a planter and I'm a pastor. I'm being pulled towards the people and the sermon and the yeah. stuff that I want to do. Forcing yourself to go, no, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to engage with this, with, with this stuff. I'm mm. going to engage with this reading. I'm going to engage with this. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what Perks has to say about this. Those kind of things just keep you sharp on learning the stuff. Um, and I think without without that, you just kind of you just crack on. You just keep going. You just keep going. Yeah. And actually forcing yourself to to stop, to listen, to engage, and to start to think through. Okay, why am I doing this? Or what does yeah. what things do I need to think about when I'm making this kind of decision? 
And I think that's so vital. I mean, I, yeah, I massively would encourage guys um, thinking about planting or planting to to engage with the with with, with the planting stuff that, that we do. And I'm sure there's other stuff out there that's, that's being done the, well. The game changer is the the doctrine of the of our stewardship of of the resources God's yeah. entrusted to entrusted to us requires us to be intentional, not accidental, in terms of our church yeah. planting. So it is music to my ears to hear yeah. you say it made me think. Yeah. It made me think about what I'm deliberately going to do. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. Yeah. brilliant. Whereas I think when we've planted Balaam, it, it was accidental church planting where I just did what I saw had been done elsewhere. And it just so happened that it worked because God was kind and we were in a yeah. sort, sort of contextually similar situation. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I want to say thank you. I guess on behalf of um, everyone who knows you within Co-Mission, thank you. Thanks for the time, the energy, the love, the prayers, the support, those phone calls, the catch-ups for me personally and for, and for other guys. I'm sure that'll be repeated multiple times. You've probably heard all this stuff um a lot but uh, yeah i i, I want to say it you haven't heard it enough you can not enough. <laughs> you can never hear that kind of stuff no um my pleasure my pleasure and how can we be praying for you as you kind of move on to the um the, the next the next stage of life you've you've just started in guildford what can we be praying for you as you as you go out yeah look it's a terrific opportunity i'm thrilled to be there and loving um, being back in frontline pastoral mm. ministry i mean there's only so long you can be away um, wanting to see other guys um, succeed and and loving that, and in one sense working not through others, but you know, for others, wanting to see them succeed and grow and flourish and all those kinds of things. So it's lovely to be back in that environment, um, enjoying that. Mm. I, I think, look, that the Lord would use us evangelistically. Mm. Guildford is a city, actually thinks it's a city, or it's annoyed it's not a city because it has a cathedral. Okay. Uh, it's a town of 80,000 people. There yeah. are 150,000 people in the sort of wider council wow. area. Yeah. So it's not an insignificant place. Um, I Overwhelmingly, people have not heard the gospel in language they can understand. There's yeah. work to be done. And so I'd love the Lord to use us evangelistically. Mm. Um, there's a, There are sort of 15, 20,000 students on the doorstep at the University of Surrey. Yep. Um, apparently, according to the Sunday Times, 21st best university in the country, how you work these things out, I have no idea. But but there you go, just a bunch of students, yeah. you know, at a critical stage of their life. Um, lots of young people, you know, part of the reason people go to Guildford is for the schools. So there's lots okay. of lots of teenagers. Um, so people with ministry opportunities, a life of ministry opportunities ahead of them. So I'd love for the Lord to use us mm. to equip to people in it, in, envision people for ministry um, in that environment. Uh, for me personally, that I'd continue to grow in godliness and ministry um, competency. I think mm. those you know those two things never go away, do they? Never stop learning, mm. um, and that the Lord would use us um, for His glory. Mm. Perks, thanks so much. Um, yeah, you've expressed to me that you're sad to leave London. We're sad to see you go, but we're excited um, to see what the Lord has next for you, for for Rosalind, for the for the family. Um, I'm going to be praying for for some of those things um, after we kind of close here. Um, and people who are listening, uh, yeah, we'd love you to be praying for for Perks and the family as they disappear. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. I'm looking forward to stepping into their. I think you've got probably smaller feet than me, but I am looking forward to trying to squeeze into your <laughs> shoes um, and metaphorically step into bigger shoes. Um, but uh, yeah, grateful to God for you, brother. And yeah, we'll speak soon. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks, Sam. There's a new duo in town. There is. You and me, brother. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it as well. Many conversations to be had. We've got a great lineup this year. 
we'll be pivoting a bit to try to interview people more outside of the network. Yeah, a little bit of that, yeah. Folks from London City Mission, yeah. from the London Project and others, as well as some new church plants that are starting up. Looking forward to uh, working with you on this as well. So, Can't wait. Thanks, thanks. For, thanks for, yeah, uh, inviting me to be and part of this. There may be some sneaker culture things snuck into <laughs> it as well as church culture because we're both a big fan. That's true. We yeah. both uh, have nice kicks on right now. Yeah. You can't see it, but great conversation with Perks. Mm. I've hugely benefited from his friendship and from his mentorship in some ways. Just yeah. listen to the the wisdom come yeah. from him. And I'm really praying that that legacy and his involvement in church planters and in the lives of, of people uh, in that context would carry on with Commission's work. Yeah. Um, there's some, been some great groundwork built over, yeah. the, over the past 20 odd years. Yeah, and uh, my, my prayer is that that continues. And more churches are planted yeah. and more people are reached in London. Yeah. Culture's been set and the yeah, foundations are there. Uh, yeah, really grateful to, to God for Perks and we'll yeah, miss him massively, but mm. um, yeah, onwards, upwards, more planting to do, more places to reach, many, many, many more people who don't know Jesus who need to, who need to know Jesus and um, yeah, if, Amen. can't wait. Well, that's it from us here. Stay tuned and we'll be back with more episodes.